Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to Random Realness with Nubia, a bi-weekly segment where I capture impromptu conversations with friends about everyday life, society, and culture. In this week's episode, I sit down with a good friend of mine, Lakita. She's also our staff writer for the Black Men Travel series. We discuss the series Surviving R. Kelly on Lifetime. And our conversations are pretty candid. We're talking about generational trauma, cultural norms in the African-American community. We're talking about narcissism. We're talking about a host of different feelings and emotions that arrive from watching the series. So quick disclaimer out there to anyone, do not get offended by our conversation as it is just merely our opinion on the way we view and our perspective on the series thus far. So with that said, let's jump right in. Be sure to grab a cup of tea, sit back and join the conversation. What was your thoughts so far? <laughs> really? Like, really? Is that, we, is, that, is, that, is that how we're going to start? <laughs> Girl, you just have to jump right in because before you oh. even get into the series, the titles throw me alone. Like the Pied Piper of R&B. And then when they break it down and they're like, the Pied Piper is the one that plays his music and draws in the little kids. And I'm like, that is so metaphoric. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I don't. Okay. So, all right. <sighs> First of all, let me say this. I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, Lifetime, I, I stopped watching Lifetime like maybe 20 years ago because <laughs> literally the movies alone, girlfriend, I, by the time I finished watching stuff, I couldn't sleep. I didn't trust my man. I didn't trust anybody around me. You know, I had all kinds of psychological issues watching stuff on Lifetime. And so when they, when I heard about the documentary, I was like, okay, you know, this is probably just going to talk about what we already know. And then over the last couple of weeks, of course, all of the media, you had his wife coming out and finally, you know, telling her story. And then I remember about a year ago, the whole thing with the house in Atlanta. But the thing about it, there are so many different levels to this Nubia. And I'm going to be transparent because even I have fallen victim to things being overshadowed. Mm -hmm. And just really kind of basically slept, swept under the rug, to be very honest with you, if you really think about it. So we heard it and it was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, everybody knows he's weird and blah, 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 blah. And then some music will come out or for whatever powers to be that are in control of this situation, it gets swept under the rug because nothing has been done. Nothing has been done. So when I started just thinking about my own accountability, started thinking about when was the last time I danced to step in the name of love? Mm. When was the last time I just um, three or four weeks ago playing remix to admission and got this Nichols music still in my iTunes? It just, it's really showed me that, wow, I'm, I fell victim to not really understanding the depth of what has happened here. Yeah. Okay. That's, let's individually take responsibility right off the bat for the roles that we may not have played directly, but indirectly to this. So that's the first thing that hit me. Mm -hmm. So let's start with episode one, okay? You and I, a couple of months ago, had conversation in one of our unrecorded random realness. <laughs> and we, we were talking about childhood traumas mm -hmm. and the effects that childhood traumas play out so often in our adult dramas. All of our and lives, when, yeah. 
all, all of our lives, no matter what that is, from mm -hmm. physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, whatever you experience as a child, it surfaces and shows up when it is undealt with, not healed, and not confronted. It comes out in your adult dramas. So when they started talking, the first thing they said was that he was always, you know, crying or feeling like he was bullied. Mm -hmm. And then they got a little bit deeper. And what shows up? He was sexually abused. Mm -hmm. The abused often, in some shape, form, or fashion, becomes the abuser. So I was like, okay, okay. Now it's making sense. Now, now I see, because I hadn't heard that all these years. Where everybody's just thinking, okay, he's a freak and, you know, he, he's just, you know, real freaky or whatever. But I'm, I'll be real. That was the first time that I heard that he was abused as a child. I had never so, heard that connection mm -hmm. ever mentioned in all. So did that give you a, a mindset to say, I get it. I get how it could have happened more or less than. So does, I don't want to say that it justifies it, but it gives you a sense of understanding Okay, so first of all, let me just be very clear. There's no way I'm justifying it for under no okay. circumstances. For sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, or condoning it. Because even as someone who has been abused, it is still, I believe, your responsibility to seek healing from that trauma. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when, when you get to a certain age where you can make that decision. So... You know, you never want to just, just give a pass to people who have been abused in situations and say, okay, well, you know, that explains it. And yeah, now I get it. And okay, that makes it all, you know, the reason why he did it. Because even as an adult, when you come into adulthood, if you know that you have had that type of trauma in your life and you're at, you know, a mental capacity where you can actually seek out help, then you should do that. Yeah, But it just put in perspective what you and I were talking about, how these things that if they're, not, again, not confronted, they just go from generation to generation to generation to generation. Yeah. And it leaves us jacked uh. all the hell the way up. It's just, oh my gosh. So, yeah. so that, was, that was the first thing hearing that. Well, let me just piggyback on that just really quickly, just to say, I don't think there's anything wrong for having empathy, even though, you know, it was incorrect. I mean, my, my whole thing is almost like, you know, young black male, the stereotype, right? Raised up in the streets, he's selling drugs, he's gang banging, shooting everything else. And then what do they say? Mm -hmm. Oh, his father wasn't there or that's all he ever mm -hmm. seen. Mother was, oh, you know, whatever. The point is, it's real. It's real life. And even yep. though no one should be out there doing deviant behavior, kill, freaking, to be a pedophile is just, I can't. As a parent, it, it just, even to resonate with it in any way, shape, or form, it makes me sick. But I get it in a, in a sense, like we were saying, because when you don't deal with, like you said, childhood drama, it manifests itself sometimes in deviant mm -hmm. behavior. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and, and, and having empathy, remember, I think even you and I were in, our, in that conversation, we were talking about how we have to be a little bit more patient with each other, particularly in the Black community, because this is not something, this is not something new, unfortunately. It, mm -hmm. has, it has been happening. It, it was, you know, you know my opinion and, and my point of view from it, that it was forced into our society, 
from outsiders through slavery and and how our men were treated and emasculated in mm-hmm. front of the women. And I'm going to try not to cry. God knows I'm going to try not to cry. I really am because I'm I'm really emotional right now, Nubia, to really be honest with you, because this is this is this is deep. I'm I'm first of all full of gratitude that at least to my knowledge, I haven't had to experience any any of this in my family bloodline. Like I haven't heard any stories. I don't know if any stories are being covered up and we just don't know about it because that's the other thing, you know, it's not talked about in the black community. Girls are told stop being fast and stop mm-hmm. doing this. Like we're the ones responsible for this behavior. It's just it's just not talked about. So, There's so many so variables to look at, you know, because I was looking so at many. <laughs> I was looking at a lot of comments. Right. Of course, everybody's very opinionated. You know, one of the things that sparked in my mind was where were their parents? Right. Like, yes, there was no way in how, you know, my daughter could be 13, 14 and gone for nights at on end and I'd be mm-hmm. just OK with it. I don't give a shit mm-hmm. if she was down the street at a friend's house like you're coming home. Mm-hmm. Like, you need you behind at home like you know yeah so I couldn't quite um around this concept of him flying these young girls to places like Chicago or New York or wherever he was and their parent not be concerned about where they were well then you you have to think about the culture too because we live in a culture where stars or you know all these entertainers are glamorized they are idolized so you think so the I'm parents sure. were okay? Like, oh, you're with R. Kelly. Or do you think it was more or less masked by saying, I'm helping your daughter with her career? I think it was a combination of both. Mm-hmm. I think it was a combination of both. And and not only, not only that, you have to look at the times in which this took place. I know for you and I, when we were growing up, our parents knew, like, like we said before, you couldn't even let the fucking street lights catch you, okay? <laughs> you had to have your behind in the house on the way home, mm-hmm. everybody, there was a sense, more sense of community. Mm-hmm. Now, I carried that on with my son. Like, my son knows to this day, he's 31, and I'm all the way fucking around the world. <laughs> and if I call you after two days and you don't call me back, I'm sending the police to your house. I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just that overprotective kind of parent. And unfortunately, the parents that started to raise kids in the 90s and into the 2000s, they just weren't that level of protectiveness there. And mm-hmm. so there was- Well, they were young themselves. Thing. I mean, I was, I, was, yeah. I raised my kids in the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, for me, I'm just saying, I could never think to myself that it would be okay for my young daughter. And I think it's because of the fact that you know, in my day and age, I've I've seen older men prey on younger women. And when I say prey, yes. I'm just like, you knowingly know this girl is old enough to be your little sister. Or, yeah. you know, like, yeah. that's the part I can't wrap my head around. Like, okay, so let's just go back to the the movie. What do you want to call it? Biopic? <laughs> Docu-series. <Docu-series. laughs> but the thing about really? it, he's, cur- he's currently on tour. What do you think about that? He's on tour. He is currently on tour and it still hasn't changed. What left me with my mouth hanging wide open was at the end of episode three, when they start talking about when my baby comes home. What do you mean when? So you're telling me that your child is still gone in in this person's house and you can't get her back in the year 2019? Like, I don't understand. It's it's something more sinister. To me, it's it's something else 
because you know me, I'm the conspiracy theorist. So I always look at what is not being talked about, what is not, what is seen, but not seen. So let's look at a couple of things. Number one, we all understand that the music industry itself is a very powerful entity, okay? A very powerful and influential entity, the music industry as a whole. You, You can look at just the trajectory of any artist, influential artist's life and how it plays out, how it ends, how when certain things happen, they end up dead or just, just it's, it's a powerful entity and the people that are controlling it are power. Okay, are powerful. And and that is even displayed by the artists who aren't talking about this shit. Okay? The artists who who refuse to be interviewed, who refuse to even speak out against this. Let's just talk about that for a second. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're silent. And they're silent for a reason. Number one. Okay, number two. It's not just R. Kelly. <laughs> Don't we know? It's R. Kelly's brothers. It's R. Kelly's managers, producers, handlers. Assistants, all assistants. of mm-hmm. They all should be held responsible. Mm-hmm. They all are accomplices to these crimes. Let's call it what it is. These are crimes. Girl, I can't even front. I seen the video. And when I seen the video, I felt disgusted in the sense of I'm contributing to watching child pornography. That's what I felt like. Yeah. I felt like my eyes should be burnt outside. I was just like, what are you doing, Nubia? Why are you watching this? You know, like I had to watch it because everybody was talking about it at the time. And I'm Mm -hmm. talking way back Mm -hmm. when. I'm not talking about today. Mm -hmm. I seen this. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I had a a bootleg copy. It was one of those things where I felt dirty. So I can't even imagine helping that whole thing go down. And as I'm listening to these stories and I'm hearing them, I'm just like, I don't know. So he got you pregnant and he got you ill with mono and smacked you and abused you and physically, you know, made you do whatever. And I'm just listening to all of these things. And I'm like, oh my God, like, how can you be doing this simultaneously, right? Multiple people. And it just go on deaf ears in blind sight. Like, I don't even, understand. I don't get it. So as I was saying, you can't tell somebody a secret without it coming back out. So it was just like, something else is something else a lot more is, is something deeper here because there's a reason R. Kelly is still free. There's a reason all of these people even on this documentary who are admitting to contributing to this yes. are still free. That's, that's, that's really what should be, what should be talked about. Mm-hmm. Cause they are. There's a reason. Yeah. Like, like why hasn't this gone any further? Like, what what sacrifice has R. Kelly made that is protecting him? Because I do it's believe- the parents. Because the girls could not speak for themselves, right? Even that little girl's parents, the Sparkle's niece or whatever, she came out and said it was her niece, but yet the parents, the father and the mother, came out and said it wasn't. So, okay, so aside the from the 14-year-old, not- aside from the 14-year-old, what about all the other girls? She was where, the youngest. Where- she was the young, I don't know. It was weird because I don't think that they came out. I think that the photos were found. So the the crazy thing about it, this is what I don't understand for the most part. If you had a domestic situation uh, at home, right, situation at home and called the police, they're taking you both in. 
you don't have to press charges. The state or the county can press charges for you. Right. On behalf right. Of you. I'm right. wondering why this wasn't picked up by. That's what I'm saying. That's what, that's my whole question here. Like there's something else that is going on that is, that, that's giving this man this level of protection. That's what I want to know. How is he still being protected? And okay? still making money. From, and still, look, look at Bill Cosby. The stuff that he was accused of doing was not with underage women. At all. It was with all. adult consenting mm-hmm. women. And mm-hmm. he is in jail. Mm, good point. How is it that R. Kelly is still fucking free? Mm-hmm. Seriously. Like, Really? How? How, Sway? How? Somebody <laughs> answer this question. How That's a good, is he still That's free? a good question. That is a good question. And, and considering that it's still going on, like, the man needs help. He needs help, serious help. He, you, you know, know, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to put it out here. And whoever is listening, I'm probably going to lose some 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 level of respect or whatever over this but i don't care the, at the age that r kelly is 51 now i don't i don't think he needs help there are some times where the evil is so deeply rooted and embedded the way i feel right now sometimes you have to put you you have to cut the head off mm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I'm wishing death on this man but I'm thinking about the lot, the generations, the lives that he has affected Nubia. Well, let's go back a little bit, right? Let's, before we just talk on R. Kelly, let's look at the generations of artists that we have contributed to their success. James Brown was a womanizer and an abuser. Ray Charles was a womanizer and an abuser. I, I, David I Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And we consistently and continuously buy into and support their music. I'm looking at it as a, he can't, he would not be who he was or who he is without us, the consumers. Still buying mm-hmm. tickets to the show, still playing the, the records, still dancing to the music. That gives him that power. Mm-hmm. Why, what is it about us? Let's, let's talk about that. You know, I can only speak for myself to say that when I sit and I really, really think about it, I have supported the behaviors through through their music. You understand yeah, what I'm saying? For Absolutely. many of years, which is horrible. Absolutely. 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 With the excuse that their personal life has nothing to do with them being an artist. Or with or with the excuse that, oh, it's just the beat. I don't really listen to the lyric. Because just think, let's let's think about that for a second. When we're talking about music. And I'm just now hearing this through this documentary that a lot of his music was based off his own experiences mm-hmm. of child pornography and pedophilia and all of that. Who knew? Who knew? Just like you said at the beginning of the conversation, who knew what the term Pied Piper meant? Mm-hmm. Our, our, in our little minds, we're thinking, oh, he's talking about laying the pipe. That's what I thought. Okay, we thinking you talking about his his, his, his anatomy. Okay, 
Yeah, you can call me naive all day. I wasn't putting the two. My mind's together. telling me no, but my body's telling me yes. Whoa, that's a powerful line, right? Who knew we were? He was talking about my mind is telling me no. This young girl is thirteen, fourteen, or fifteen, but my body is yearning and wanting her. Oh my gosh! Let me put it into those perspectives. Lord, take the lyrics out of my brain. I swear. And we sing those lyrics with so much pride and like, yeah, that was oh, that's so poetic. What? The song what? he wrote for Michael Jackson. <sighs> that Michael Jackson, and and come to find out, it he wrote written. that the young lady that mm-hmm. he made have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The underage young lady he impregnated and made her have an abortion. He goes and writes this song for her. You're not alone. And Michael Jackson is singing it. Mm. Girl. It's so, it's so, that's what I'm saying. It's so, like, it, it has me, I was thinking as I was watching it, I said, you know, as for me, the first thing I'm going to do is go through my iTunes, my iTunes and I'm deleting purposely and intently any, any deviant behavioral womanizing Music. Demeaning music. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I'm doing. That's first and foremost. Even refusing to listen, support, or acknowledge any artist that does not speak out against this. Against abuse. Against the abuse, against R. Kelly, against this whole, this whole thing. Your Jay-Z's, your Beyonce's, all of them who refuse to be interviewed who refused to speak up or say anything, not supporting them anymore. I even put it out here to my sisters. If we, if after this, we are still on any social media platform or anywhere in public, still twerking and shaking our ass, you are contributing to the problem. You are contributing to the problem because you're sexual, you're allowing yourself to continuously be sexualized. Which does not make it okay for abuse. Let's just be clear. It does. It does not. Make we don't it, want. It these does not make it okay to, for abuse. Yes, because yeah, you know, one of the jurors, I believe, had said something of the sort of you know, these these young ladies. You know, like you said, even the, in the black community, don't be so fast. How can mm-hmm. your mother, your auntie, your cousin, or somebody call you fast and not mm-hmm. even? hold that man accountable for his actions in any way, shape, or form. And that's the era I grew up in. Yes. 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 It's, 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 oh my gosh. And, and yes, and let me be clear. I am so not saying that that is the problem. What I am reminded of, I don't know who all saw um, the movie Chirac by Spike Lee. No. Very powerful movie. Very, very powerful movie. Um, But in in a nutshell, the women, until the men got themselves together, they withheld sex. They were like, look, you're not not getting sex. You're not getting any piece of my womanhood until you get yourself in order and, and all this, that, and the third. I only made that comment to say that in our community, Women, we hold the power with regards to how we are seen, how we are treated, and the level of respect that we allow or that we are, that we demand. If if I can say that, yes, and I'm we're learning that, that now. That, that, we're learning. Yeah, we're, that we're now. learning. We've we're, been we're working for now. years. 
We've been talking for years. That statement, don't be so fast. Don't be out there. You know, you have to be careful of how you speak to these kids because that's why they go into stuff feeling unworthy, less than, and they allow people to treat them in that way. And, you know, I can only say out loud and to the whole entire world, I was that person at one point in my life. Yeah. Here I am 41 and learning my work. Do yeah, you understand what I, I'm I agree. Yeah, most definitely. It's, and it took it's time so many to levels to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so it's so many it's so many levels to the situation. Um, just just listening to the first four parts. Oh my goodness, I I, I was so anxious to talk to you because I'm like, oh my god, there's so much to talk about, and but it's it's really a lot to digest. It's a lot to to consider. It's a lot to ponder. Nubia, because as you and I have have discussed in in times before, nothing nothing is new under the sun. So listening listening to this, listening to his brothers talk about how they were abused, and you know, and then some of the the people on here being interviewed when they're talking about the situation, they're they even smiling and joking and like it was totally okay, and you know, the whole situation it, 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 with Nubia. Yeah, and it was what it was. He's like, they were so silly. <laughs> they were just oh. so, like, joyful. They just played together. And I'm just like, they, what? <laughs> like, that, she was 15. It's His so first much. marriage, 15. And I get that age, age is nothing but a number, but it's difficult. I'm 41. I can't see myself dating somebody in their 20s who can date my child because then I feel like I could have been that person's parent. You know what I mean? So when does, when does the boundaries begin? You That's know? okay. See, you, you just tough. You, you just touched on something, a whole nother topic because, and, and to all my girlfriends who be egging me on about dating, you know, just because I attract younger men because of how I may look or how may I, I may appear to be younger I keep telling my friends, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me to date someone who is either close to or my son's age. I cannot do it. Cause just like you just said, in my mind, I'm old enough to be your mother. And that's disturbing within itself for me. Exactly. It, my, my mind just doesn't even allow me to wrap my head around it. You understand what I'm saying? So, But unfortunately I see the, it every day in Southeast Asia. You know this, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw it while I was there. <laughs> it's, it's disturbing. It's absolutely yeah. disturbing. And it has nothing to I, do with love. It's a business transaction for sure. Yep, yep. I saw it while I was there. So it's just, I, I think um, I, I, I have so much going on in my head because, you know, um, this, this whole generational transfer of energy to me is, is the deeper issue here. It's not, you know, R. Kelly, it's just ha- it just so happens to be the person we're talking about now. But in our community, this is nothing new. It has happened. I, 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 when I was watching this, I was reminded of this young lady, her um, Instagram post, or at least I saw it on Instagram, but her video went viral about a year and a half ago, or maybe even last year, where she confronted a family member at a family gathering. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember seeing that video. No. She, she, oh my gosh, this brave young lady. She had been abused for years. 
by this family member. And they were at either Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving and the whole family was around. And she pulls out her cell phone and goes over to him and says, hey, you know, how you doing? And he's like, hey, what's up? And she's like, oh, I'm recording now. And I just want to know, you know, and I'm at living, but she was basically saying, you know, I just want to, you know, let the world know that I'm finally confronting you for all the years that you abused me. You remember when you abused me? You remember you touched me? You remember you blah, 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 blah. I mean, she went in for several minutes and he just sat there looking crazy. Young sister. And she posted it on on it and anybody that's listening i'm sure you probably even saw this video or can go you know research it but it just reminds me that this happens so often in our families and then we wonder why certain things play out in our adult relationships in our adult experiences him being because i think i heard it either in episode three or four when it went it when they went a little bit more detailed in his abuse he was abused both by a male neighbor or somebody in the neighborhood as well as a female abuser so he got it on both ends nubia he got it on both ends yeah yeah i know and you know and then now let's talk about his children that's a whole nother like touchy subject so if we broke this down into categories right Mm. first of all because we're gonna have to (laughs) i think right now it's it's just we're fresh off of the episodes so we're literally like you said trying to digest it all and every time you take in one piece it brings up questions about another and then another to just keep firing out of control if we really did break this into segments Let's talk about generational trauma. Yes. That is where I believe we need to start. So let that be round two to this random realness. So we'll be back with generational traumas. I, I think that's a great thing that we should do is break down. So the generational traumas, the enablers, the people that were silent, the people that assisted, but that that generational trauma, because this just didn't affect R. Kelly and his victims. You have to think about those people and what then they're transferring on to the next generation and his children who were birthed out of that process. So, yes, Let's round two. Let's talk about it.